0: Moves. Hello my Zane skulls. this is your Louis Lamorpho host Matthew Sanborn Smith and his other western writer whose name I would mention if I knew the name of another western writer podcast, Beware the Hairy Mango. It's the May 7th show. Ah, we're doing this again. Today's story is all about the best things in life having a price tag. If your price tags are clogging up the drain your life is trying to go down, your sewage company will probably raise a utility stink. Utility Stink, by Matthew Sanborn-Smith. It's a little-known fact that I'm now in the process of making up that the term brownout came about when people thought there was a blackout, remembered the last blackout when they got stuck in that elevator with Mitch, and pooped their pants with fear. When the lights came back on, dimly, mind you, but enough so everyone could see the stains on everyone else's pants, they realized everyone knew what they had done. Jesus, why do I write such long sentences when I know I'm going to have to read them out loud? But everyone knew about the mass pooping anyway from the smell. That's when people started praying for a sort of blackout for smells. Maybe they could call it a stinkout or something. But everyone except Velda was a lazy ass and had no vision. Velda, on the other hand, got to work paying off politicians so that she could privatize smells in general. She called her business the Smellectric Company. In no time at all, people could pay a fee to get the stink out of their life, which sounds great if you have the money, but the part that was shitty, even when there wasn't a brownout, was that Velda's company didn't only take away bad smells for profit, it also kept away good smells unless you paid up. Flowers, good food, perfume, and freshly mown grass could only be smelled by those who could afford it. Besides piling even more misery upon the poor, who couldn't even play Smell My Finger anymore, the services offered by the Smelectric Company led to a severe drop in personal hygiene when people realized they could get away without it. The next threshold for cleanliness occurred at the stage when people had to scratch themselves and then imitators started looking for ways to privatize itches even though they hadn't worked the kinks out of the technology. Ray Davies refused to budge. Companies like Broadband Itchernet Incorporated and City Water and Sew Itch popped up but couldn't get a foothold, mainly because the foot was too itchy. As it was, some people got through the tough stinky times by tapping into their neighbor's odor cables and smelling a few cents a month for less than a few cents a month. It all came crashing down around Velda's greedy, unsmelly ass when she was discovered with a hard drive full of smells that were under 18 years old. Even though there was nothing illegal about that, the population was outraged and demanded her immediate resignation. If not from the human race, then at least from the Smellectric Company. They even got an online petition going and amassed 1.2 thousand hundreds of signatures. When the petition was presented to Velda, she was kind of like, what exactly does this do? I can't even get a paper cut from this because it's digital. Before anyone remembered that this was America and they had stockpiles of automatic weapons with paper bullets that could deliver one heck of a paper cut just sitting in their bathrooms, Velda realized what an opportunity she had here. She did resign and gave herself a jillion dollar platinum parachute. The people realized that justice had been served. When the government determined that smells should be for everyone and that even the poorest of americans had the obligation to pay for them everyone marveled at how much that didn't stink if only their perfume outlets hadn't been turned up so high If this story pooped you out, you can wipe it and other cheeky ends at the website of the formerly white BewareTheHairyMango.com. Throb sexually in the comments for this post or mini-mail me and we'll drive our Coopers all over Dr. Evil's coattails at Matthew at BewareTheHairyMango.com or join the Mile High Mickey Mouse Club at BewareTheHairyMango at gmail.com. Whenever we only exist in the past, the SF and SF Signal stands for Soon Forgotten because, ah, that was really crappy, Matt. Folks, SF Signal has closed its doors to new content and is sitting like a derelict ocean liner in a sea of blogs for about another month, after which it may sink out of sight completely. Oh sure, it sounds cold when I say it, but think of all the SF Signal gags I still have for the next 28 shows. Did they ever think of me when they leapt overboard? Anyway, it's a good thing I never worried about whether or not things actually exist, so I'm still going to do them. I have to fill this show up with something, and go to sfsignal.com and read everything you can from their nearly 13 years in existence before you can't anymore. I suggest John Donardo's startlingly insightful review of Hanu ryaniemi's The Quantum Thief to get things rolling. Did you feel that? Someone's shaking his fist at me from beyond the blog grave. Listen my children and you shall hear of the midnight tweets of twitter.com slash upwithgravity. On the 18th of April in 75 he was still trying to finish up the last few episodes of his goddamn podcast. PayPal is my pal when it transfers money from your accounts to mine through the donate button on the Homer page. Your money will go toward preserving the mango and amber for future generations of fans, at least until Amber's digestive juices kick in, before she realizes 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 the effect of pounds of tropical fruits to a GI tract accustomed to a meat and potatoes diet, brown out indeed. This podcast zooms through pneumatic tubes for the chance to deliver memos to the studio head at RKO Pictures, who is sure to give us a part in his next big picture once he sees our dazzling handwriting samples, relaying to him that his latest over-schedule and over-budget fiasco could be salvaged when our character of an overworked but brilliant handwriting expert is able to piece together that it was King Kong who fell from the Empire State Building and not John Barrymore based on the handwriting samples, Found in King Kong's Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial share like 4.0, international license. I can't one breath them all, folks. Until Doc Severinsen blows high-sea fruit juice from his instrument, this will need the doughy flesh of Matthew Sanborn Smith and I remind you, the cooler you are, the more people stick their drinks in you. Good night.